0: right, left, right, left, march, Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching. march, march,
1: What's going on, Warriors? I am Timothy Lawson, host of Fuel for Warriors, a podcast collaboration between Lawson Entertainment and Lock and Load Java. This week, I have Army veteran Lisa Point on the show. We're going to find out about an organization that she is with called Souls for Souls and how they're helping battle poverty around the world. When you're finished with the episode, be sure to check out lockandlowjava.com as well as LawsonEntertainment.com for more of our programming. We'll hear a couple of words from Carl Churchill and then we'll get on to the interview. Enjoy. Hey, Warriors, this is Carl Churchill, co founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Load Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran Tim Lawson as he interviews risk takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I know you'll love our guest today, and when you're finished with the episode, head over to LockAndLoadJava.com and use the coupon code fuel to receive a 10% discount on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. All right, what's going on, Warriors? I am Timothy Lawson, and we're back here on Fuel for Warriors, and this week I have a- Lisa points, you know, I probably should have asked if it is points or if there's some weird accent at the end. I always make this mistake. I never, I always forget to get the clarification on, on how to pronounce the name. It is Lisa points, right? It
0: is. Thank you for asking, Timothy.
1: Yes. Well, I, I it's, um, uh, I've been podcasting for about three years now and I would say I'm still only at a 25% success rate on getting clarification on pronunciation before the episode starts. <laughs>
0: It didn't seem like a pressing situation until you get to it. And then you think, wow, I really should have went on to this yeah. before.
1: Because before, like going in, I was like, oh, that's clearly Lisa Point. And then as, a, as we're going into the intro, I'm like, maybe it's not.
0: <laughs> well, you did. You made the right choice.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was expecting it to end up being like Poinche. You
0: never so, know. I could be French. But no, I am mm-hmm. Polish. <laughs>
1: Very well, Lisa Point. And you are the Director of Domestic Entrepreneurship for Souls for Souls. And we'll get into what exactly that means. But this is Fuel for Warriors. And we start every episode with getting your take on on what is a warrior. When you hear the the term warrior, what comes to mind? What character, what vision, what do you see?
0: Well, what comes to mind for me is... Um, Standing up for what I believe in and who I am as a person and really standing in my own integrity and being comfortable and confident in that and and also comfortable and confident in leading others, particularly young women, um, to be confident in, in their integrity and in their own self, in their own skin, because um, I think a lot of soldiers and, and women as well have have problems uh, feeling confident with themselves and with their past experiences and really owning them and making them a part of who they are and how they have shaped them and being proud of their experience. So a warrior to me is all of those things, um, being proud to carry on and um, also to be a role model for others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you know, the... The indicator, the signal that I saw from you that that made me believe that you'd be a good fit for the show was your experience in the army. How long? How long did you serve in the army?
0: I served for four years from '97 to 2001, and I was uh, stationed in Fort Polk, Louisiana, and then immediately over to Bosnia, back to Louisiana, and then my last 15 months were spent in South Korea.
1: So I was gotcha. a little bit all over. Yeah. I've I've talked to a lot of veterans on a lot of my programming with Veteran Empire, the One Too Many uh, Veteran Suicide Project, of course Fuel for Warriors, and other and other podcasts, and I've I've talked to a lot of veterans that either. Got in just before nine eleven, and people who got or her, and people who got in just after it happened. But I haven't talked to anybody who got out just before it happened. What time in two thousand and eleven or two thousand one did you did you get out of the army?
0: I think my um, ETS. It was, I want to say July third, and I had already enrolled in school at Appalachian State University in North Carolina. So I was on campus when September 11th um, happened, and they I did get called back, um, but since I was in school, I was able to uh, not go back in, but I did get called back in for, I believe it was three years, was what the letter said, but if you were already enrolled in school. So I actually didn't have to go back.
1: Did you feel conflicted at all about not going back?
0: I did feel very conflicted, but in my personal experience, i I was very angry at um, the military and how things had turned out um, in my last uh, time in, in South Korea, and I was not i was I was conflicted about it because of my sense of duty to my my brothers and sisters, you know being my comrades but to go back into that institution i was I was not prepared for that
1: no. It seems like a lot of people from the past couple decades the sense of service is not so I mean of course we all want to serve our country and and our you know the people that uh that live in this great nation but it seems like the sense of service that come from uh service members in the past couple decades is about serving the other people within their branch and within their within their unit you hear a lot of people that's that you know i, I talked especially on the veteran suicide podcast where they talk about you know not being able to go on a deployment you know actually impacted them emotionally because they wanted to serve with their uh, with their brethren so it's it's interesting that even in that moment you're like i don't really care about the <laughs> they care about the army but it's like my my brothers and sisters in arms are the ones that i actually want to serve for
0: that's correct i did i didn't want them to be out there alone and it seemed like i should be with them but it was that was definitely a powerful decision um, you know that that thankfully was actually you know kind of made for me since that I had the easy checkbox that I was already enrolled in school and I had already you know mentally prepared and you know moved on from the military and so but yeah I I missed everybody and i missed that. sure I was scared for them
1: yeah the other the other part of your biography that I saw that indicated That that warrior ethos was uh, while you were in, um, you've done some instructing as uh, for rock climbing and kayaking and 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 hiking, and I definitely think that those, uh, you know, a lot of sports and a lot of activities definitely. Uh, you know, create that warrior mentality because there's a lot of tenacity that that comes with that sort of stuff. I'm actually on my way to the rock climbing gym after this interview, oh, great. Uh, so I'm very pleased to see that part uh, in your bio. Do you still do these? These do you, do you still find yourself climbing and kayaking and such down in Nashville?
0: Not as much as I would like to at all. I keep saying that I I need to reach out to a network through uh, maybe online meetups or something. But I've I've done climbing at the gym we have here, but I'm just not involved in a network of people who do that right now um sadly, so I would definitely like to get back into that definitely that was a big a big time in my life for me a big transitional time and doing those activities and uh you know really such intense activities with some other people really taught me a lot about who I was and you know where strength strength would come from and would yeah.
1: like to do that again. Yeah, can you expand on that? Like, where strength would come from? I think that's uh, that's an in- interesting anecdote. What do you what do you where did you find your strength was coming from?
0: Well, you know, when you, I think I have always doubted that I would be prepared for. Certain things. When I was in the military, I was an EMT. So I worked um, on the back of the ambulance and in the emergency room. And we did a lot of training. We were always training uh, in our downtime. But yet I always felt scared and nervous for when the time would come when I would need to use those skills. But when they did come, I found that it it truly was like riding a bike. I snapped into action as did the, the people around me. And it's that you think maybe when when you think about it, you don't think you're strong enough to deal with the situation that comes up, but in my experience, you know, you either deal or you die, right? So you're going to deal with what happens, and you're probably going to be kind of impressed with yourself, for yeah. the fact.
1: When it, it's interesting if you, like, really objectively look at that idea, that either deal or you die, like, look, we're going into a situation like, well, there's death over there, and I'm not really interested in that right now, so I'm going to go ahead and deal with this.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> so tell so um, part of what I would definitely want to talk to you about, now that we have an idea of, of who you are and, and we've set the set the foundation with the, the warrior mentality and such, let's talk about your position as the Director of Domestic Entrepreneurship, which is the first time I've ever heard that title, um, for Souls for Souls. So first, tell us about the organization and then tell us exactly what your role is in.
0: Well, I'm glad that you asked me to do that because that is the order that I have to talk about it in. Because my position you know, is very specific to Souls for Souls. And so what, what Souls for Souls does is that we collect and then distribute clothes and shoes around the world. So we do that in two ways. We collect um, new goods from you know, corporate returns and overstocks and things. And then we also collect used goods to keep them out of landfills um, and to be able to sell these items into micro enterprise programs around the world so we actually do distributions of about 50% in the United States and then 50% around the world and free distribution is when you give away clothing and shoes that people need and people need things all the time for a variety of reasons after natural disasters or just because they're poor and it's hard but then long term they need to have a solution to work themselves into a different um, lifestyle, and so what is needed for that is education and jobs. So what we we have a constant need for used clothes and shoes. We take what is raised in the United States from shoe drives and clothing drives, and we sell those into microenterprise programs. For instance, our program in Haiti. It all of the programs that we have are different, but they all. Are also have a similar style, whereas we work with an entity on the ground because our business is here. Our business is logistics of shoes and clothing. That's what we do well. So then we find a very a trustworthy partner who we vet um, to find a, a partner who can work in other countries and is doing the kind of things that we need. So in Haiti, our partner, the Haitian American Caucus, the the person who runs that nonprofit he provides a micro loan to women and it's actually more than four hundred women at this point of just several years into us working with them. He provides a micro loan to them so they can buy a box of shoes. He then provides business training, gives them a support group of women uh, to you know because they have never they don't have a culture of borrowing they don't know about it and even small amounts of money are, you know, they don't really know how to react to that or what to do. So they need support and they also need English training. And in addition, he runs two kindergarten through eighth grade schools. So we sell directly to him and then he sells directly to these women who come and buy boxes of shoes. And then we'll turn around and take them out into the marketplace. And the market decides uh, what the rate is for those shoes. But we have contracted rates with him for how much we sell the goods to him and then he sells the goods to his, to the women who work for him, his entrepreneurs. So what happens is that by Souls for Souls controlling that process, um, we're able to eliminate about five to six different hands where the goods would change over and the, top, the best goods would be picked off and the price would raise and the quality of the goods drops as it changes hands along the supply chain so we 're able to get a really higher quality good to these entrepreneurs at the end for a lower price and where they can keep the bulk of the profit um, right in their pocket so only after a few years in the program, these women immediately what they do is they send their children to school they you know give them good clothes, they give them uh, healthy meals to eat, and they start building homes so they go from Lean to shacks uh, to brick and mortar homes, and the children are in school, and they're eating better. And once you go through one generation like that, you know the children being educated are able to change their whole circumstance in life, and they can they can you know have then received a hand up out of poverty, you know, so they don't have to live like their parents did. So what is really important? is for us to have an extremely steady supply of used shoes and clothing to sell into this program. Because if we stop providing that to these women, they don't have any other source of income. So what what my job is as the director of domestic entrepreneurship is we wanted to find people who would want to go out and start shoe drives and clothing drives for us and get paid for it. And we wanted to work with, Veterans. Veterans is a group that we identified as really having um, having a mindset of wanting to help the greater good, having a, a service mindset, and really wanting to continue to serve even after they're out of the military. So it's a greater goal. So they're getting paid for what they collect, um, the clothes and shoes, but then they know that they're part of probably 15 or 16 families is that they're changing the lives for 16 or six diff- different families. So it's really it's it's an exciting program. I, I hope that I just I hope that I just described it concisely enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. What um you know in your in your bio it says that you know that uh your career has enabled you to work abroad in Bosnia, South Korea, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Belize what what area of the world have you worked in or worked with, at least, that maybe surprised you about the level of need needed in that area?
0: Well, I guess when I was in China, I, I certainly was not really expecting what I saw in the cities and right outside the cities, which was a lot of poverty, um, a lot of uh, income inequality, where, you know... Uh, they, they have so much and they have, you know, many people with an abundance, but there's just so many people over there on a whole that, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of inequality. So I wasn't really expecting that in China when I went to Shanghai, which is a, you know, pr- very progressive city. But then also when I went to Haiti, I have never experienced anything that poor. And I have, you know, been around to many third world countries, but Haiti was, really intense the way that they just didn't have any industry. There's no way for anyone to get ahead um, with the government the way that it is and, and the economy the way that it is. And so that's another reason why we can't just continue to flood markets with used clothes and shoes for free or even new used clothes and shoes, because there has to be an opportunity for economics. For you know a, a system to grow where people can buy and sell things in a marketplace, so that that can create jobs for people, so that they can have long-term life changes.
1: How has how have you noticed being in this philanthropic role uh, really a, a, not a change your behavior, but influenced it, influenced your character?
0: Well, I feel like it. It, it constantly makes me in a space of gratitude. It really does because when I work with people all day, every day that, you know, are happy um, with their lives, yet they seem like they have so much, then when I, you know, get upset about some little issues, you know, that I don't that are – they're never big. That's the reality is that I can always – My mindset, it's always in perspective, I think, and I like to keep it that way, that, you know, I am never having a bad day so far as I don't have anything to eat that day, or I don't have shelter, or I literally don't have any clothes. My problems consist of which clothes I want to wear, what food I want to eat, and, you know, which blanket I want to use at night. So um,
1: I'm... Isn't it, isn't it amazing that some of our more ch- more challenging des- decisions are just based off preferences?
0: Yes, it is. It's it's,
1: it's really is. humbling to 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 look at it that directly. Correct. Uh, you know, we we were just we were talking about this just before, you know, we hit record and, you know, When you go through life and you don't really experience a lot of gratitude, the little things like sort of eat at you. You get, you know, the the little things that your friends do, the little things that you have to deal with from your like your peers and your colleagues and stuff like that really start like they start to bother you and irritate you. But as soon as you start exercising a lot of gratitude and start noticing the abundance in your life, little stuff like that just falls by the wayside so quickly.
0: You're absolutely right.
1: So tell us about how um, you know this. I think this is something that a lot of people like to hear about, especially other military veterans. You know how how has your how did your four years in the military and then four years of school really set you up and prepare you to succeed where you are now?
0: Well, you know, being on your own since you're, you know, since I'm 17 years old, definitely um, prepared me to deal financially, um, to, to make smart decisions early on um, that will continue to help me um, through my whole life, you know, uh, being able to live off of my budget, live beneath my means um, and save some always, I think is a skill that I really don't see in, in many people Sadly, um, again, a lot of young women, you know, I work with a lot of young women. And so that's most of my experience is trying to reach out with them. And, you know, also just the confidence that I can do it. I have been doing it for so long. Um, and I really like to share that anyone can do it. You definitely, you don't need, um, you don't need, everyone needs people around them in their lives to support them and help them. That is true. But, um, you you can make it, and you can be strong, and you're probably a lot stronger than you think you are.
1: Let's um let's talk maybe a, uh, a little bit about um some of the challenges that you're facing in your life. You know you, you uh it, it sounds like you're in a great place, and you know you're experiencing a lot of gratitude, and you're you're really enjoying. Uh, your professional and personal life but we all deal with challenges and ones that come up routinely almost and you know it, it takes practice to get better at dealing with them um, you know can you think of any challenges that you're facing on a, on a weekly monthly daily basis that you're sort of finding yourself working to get better at dealing with
0: you know I um, certainly deal with uh, close relationships um, I you know it's I think dealing with Relationships has always been sort of difficult for me. Uh, any kind of relationship, friendship or romantic or with your family, um, just being sensitive to what other people need and then also learning to ask for what I need and um, and not settle and be in a situation where that's not working for me. So that's constantly uh, give and take in my life and I'm always reevaluating, well, is this relationship with this person good for me you know um so that's and then you know the flip side is well you know it it good for them and where's the balance you know but at the end of the day there's only you know only number one's gonna look out for number one so you have to yeah be a little selfish at the end of the day
1: you know is that saying that you know you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with do you have you found that to be true
0: Oh, definitely. And that's something my father used to say that to me when I was really young. Um, he used to say, you know, the the people you are, you surround yourself with are the people that you you will be like. And I didn't believe that or really understand that. But yes, I think that you need to stick with the winners. I try to stick with the people who I want to be like. And I say, look at what they're doing in the world and um, how their life is. And I, I want that. I want to be like they are so you know, constantly being around people who I think are smarter than me, and, uh, you know, more, just anything better than me, I want to always be around that, so that I can continue to progress, so I don't get complacent in life, you know, and just always keep striving for more.
1: Yeah, and in, in that same light, uh, another saying uh, just came to my mind, one that I think you can interpret a little bit differently, depending on how you look at your your goals and and, and aspirations, but... Uh, you never want to be the smartest or wealthiest person in the room Correct. Um, yeah and I, I think that there 's a lot of truth to that of course you know you can there's always you can always learn and grow from anybody regardless of you know stature, uh, but I think the idea is you know you always want to be in a room full of people that can inspire you that can that can mentor you that you can grow from and, and whatnot have you have you uh, would you agree with that I
0: absolutely agree with that, and I think that that 's great advice for anyone. <laughs>
1: So before we before we, we wrap up on on things that uh, you know on what really inspires you that fuel that is uh, uh, that you live off of, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about Soul for Souls if anybody listening is interested if they're if they're um, you know just. They're caught on the, on this mission. How can they get involved? Like, do you, do you need more donations of shoes and clothing, or do you need more monetary? Do you need volunteers? What do you need for people to get involved?
0: You know, um, people who want to start shoe drives um, and clothing drives in their hometown or in their own network would really be amazing. I'm specifically looking for veterans who want to be independent contractors and own their own business and start shoeing clothing drives around the United States. And we um, we're specifically looking for individuals, you know, who are gregarious and want to be outgoing and don't want to be sitting in an office every day, who want to be able to, you know, be there when their kids get home from school and send them off to work um, and really create their own hours. So um, if any veterans or veteran spouses are interested in that, please go on to the Souls for Souls website, soulsforsouls.org. Um, and send me an email, or send anyone an email because we'd really like to what these jobs are creating here they're we they're not just part time jobs to make a little supplemental income here or there. This is really starting your own business, and with that, this is not the type of job where um you know you're going to have a lot of downtimes if If you started any type of business, you would expect to be working essentially nonstop for about the first year. I would say this is no exception, however. With this program, you get to franchise, if you will, the Souls for Souls name and process for absolutely no fee. There's a whole training program that uh, we work with you and teach you how to do this. And then we buy everything that you can collect. You have a guaranteed buyer. So there's really no other kind of program like that. And I would like to get this started all over the United States as opposed to just in the southeast where we have it now. And it's an excellent source of income. Um, and family, small family business that you could do that can really—it is truly unlimited. You could make as much as you want with this program.
1: That's amazing. It is amazing. It's <laughs> quite the business model. It is. Yeah. So you know, this is Fuel for Warriors. We we uh, we the the culmination of this entire discussion comes down to, uh, comes with what ultimately inspires you. What is getting Lisa Point out of bed every morning?
0: What's getting me out of bed every morning is that um I have an opportunity to be a better person today than I was the day before, um and I have an opportunity to help another person today in a different way, and I think that that is what God wants me to do, and um amazingly, my life allows me to do that so i I love getting out of bed. I can't wait to get out of bed again
1: I'm with you, I'm with you. I was recently under the weather for the past couple of weeks, and the part that i I mean, of course, it sucks having to deal with a cough and stuff and congestion. But the part that I hated the most was I couldn't get out of bed quick enough because I was like the energy was drained in the morning, and it, that was actually the part of the of the effects that it had on me that I hated the most was because I'm just like you. I let, like as soon as I wake up, I want to be out the bed and doing something. And while I was under the weather, I just I couldn't get that energy to do that. And I was like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for for joining me. I know that my my listeners uh, enjoyed learning about Souls for Souls. Um, for the people that are hearing it, it can't quite picture what that looks like. It is Souls as in like the soul of your feet, the number four, and then Souls as in good for your soul. soulsforsouls.org. dot uh, org, and their website is very comprehensive. Uh, and if you go, if you click on the team, you'll definitely find Lisa there. Click on her name, and you'll see her bio and opportunity to email her to get in contact. Lisa, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Tim. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I really appreciate this opportunity.
1: Of course. I'm Tim, and on behalf of Carl, Lori, and the rest of us here at Lock and Load Java, we'll see you next left, week.
0: right, left, right, left, marching left, right, left, right, left, Right, left, march. When I wanna give it, feel like waiting. Something keeps living inside, me, keeps yelling. Tell me, push on, push harder, past the limit. It's no time for the giving, and stick to it when I'm giving them. It's my all, and so they march for the sergeant, ready to give it all up for the cause and just charge it.
1: When I tell them to let it loose with the weapons, you blasting it down the mannequin, backing off what they never do. Never give up, not without a fight. Just to save a life, they would die, give their life. March, march. march.